Scotty, would you like you, would you like to know what opera I prepared for you this week? John, surely we've done all the operas already. So, um, but uh, no, I, I would love to know. It's but I actually sit here thinking about for the entire week is what is the opera going to be this week? Well, <laughs> this one goes out as a, as a response to popular demand. It's called Isilencia, <laughs> and it goes like this. Isn't that marvelous? Oh, my word. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bravo. That's that's the best you've done so far, John. Scotty, that's so mean. You're trying to suggest that I am a terrible singer. No, I'm <laughs> suggesting that Il Silencio is the piece that was obviously designed for your voice. <laughs> I mean, the composer was thinking of you when he, he or she I, wrote it. So, in other words, much as one might say that somebody has a face for radio, you might say I have a voice for silent opera. I think as a genre you could make a lot of money from, John. All right. Well, Scotty, 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 would you like to hear about I have for you this week uh, one one bit of, of software and design triumph and one fun story? Let's start with software design triumph, shall we? Okay. So, um uh, I think I'd mentioned, uh, well, I know I've mentioned <laughs> that, you know, working on this type of, of interstitial and message display system um, uh, that I was doing some foundational work. And uh, one of the challenges I had was dealing with uh, a fixed area, fixed view that can only grow so large since it has to show the, the screen behind it. So, you know, normally what it does is constrain itself to some percentage of the width of the device and then take up the, the height that is actually required. And the messages and the iconography and the call to action buttons are, are typically pretty small, unless, of course, you want to respect preferred content size, which we absolutely want to do. Um, but calls to action, these buttons on the bottom are, are of primary importance, so we can't just make the whole thing scroll, which is usually how you deal with this. Um, but the text and the iconography does want to, to scroll, or it does want to, to, to resize. Certainly the type needs to resize. The icons in most designs are already very large. So I, I came up with some idea and asked the question, made a screen movie, asked my, my, my designer friends. And, and I do remember from, from web days that a typical way of handling overflow content, especially if you've got a feed and you've got lots of text and you want to keep each cell in the feed to a kind of roughly the same size, they have to visually draw attention to the fact that there's more to watch. So some way of doing it is to add a little more button. But another popular way I've seen is applying a gradient blend so it seems to kind of fade off. And on you know traditional desktop apps, you can show a scroll bar. That's the indicator. But scroll bars on iOS are only visible when you're actively scrolling. Um, and so, since this was a problem that exists in multiple canvases, I didn't want to just fix it in one place, of course. And so, I created something I'm pretty proud of. It's very simple. But it's called Overflow Scroll View, which basically uh, attaches a gradient blend, uh, which it's very subtle. It basically goes to you know a, a partially uh, transparent white pixel to a fully transparent white pixel over about 80 pixels in, in height. Um, and that's configurable, but it, it, it is a scroll view subclass for two reasons. One is that it needs to, it, it needs to be able to know when it's been added to the super view because the gradient blend actually has to be added to the super view. You just can't add a, a view to a scroll view without it scrolling off. Uh, so it needs to exist in the super view and you only know when that happens when, 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 uh, you know, uh, did move to super view um, gets called. And secondly, it needs to, to, to know as it's scrolling, 
uh, when to hide the gradient when you reach the bottom of the content and when you scroll above, you know, as soon as that there's, it's, you're neither at the, uh, if you're not at the bottom and not at the top either, uh, but somewhere in between those two, then you need to be able to, to have the, the gradient visible. So you can't do it in layout sub views. You just have to basically do it when you know that scrolling is taking place. Unfortunately, uh, even though the, there's no human interaction to scroll view, a scroll view will get a, if you implement the scroll view delegate method, that will get called when things get set up, even though it's not a human scrolling. So it covers all the cases and it, it ended up working rather nicely and I'm, I'm kind of pleased with it. And it, it's pretty simple to use because you can decide what part of a, a view you want to have scrolling. Um, uh, and so it helps a lot. So I, I was kind of pleased with that. It, it, it all came together and it, it, it solidifies what I, you know, what I say all the time is that actual coding is the least difficult part of, of solving, you know, design and software issues. It's just figuring out exactly what to do. And happily enough, one of our, our sainted listeners, whose name I'm going to try and find here while I'm talking to you, so I'm going to delay, uh, but agreed that, uh, that my point was, was valid. So that always it always makes me happy when our listener gives approbation. And the person indeed was... So I need to know, is, is that a sainted listener because, because they agreed with you or just because they listen? Both. And I don't know what his actual name is. Well, I guess I could find out, but it, it, the, the, the count is Notion, Notion du Jour, which I kind of rather like. Anyway, so thank you, Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Um, he, he, him, they, them, hers, um, uh, Notion du Jour. Thank you for the kind words. So that was my little uh, software triumph this week. Tell me about yours, Scotty. Uh, well, I've been, remember last week I spoke about that we were going to put a uh, back end and we're using PARS for some manual mm-hmm. stuff and some integration. So as uh, the first part of that this week, I've moved all of our sort of license lookup and license handling and license reminder email stuff back onto onto that, or not back onto that, but onto that in the first place and integrated that into into MoneyWell. Um, and that's gone rather well. It, it's uh, I'm, I'm, The more I use paths, the more I like it. There's a few bits that maybe I wouldn't choose if, you know, I was going to do some really heavy and complex stuff. But uh, on the whole, it's pretty configurable. It's pretty easy to set up. It's pretty easy to use. I have been working, I'm to work in a bit of JavaScript to write functions to create an API for it. But, uh, you know, everybody has to have a part to their week that's not so nice. <laughs> so, so, so there we are. Um, yeah, I, I did start to set try and set up a copy of PARS running locally so I could just run locally and not have to worry about the server to start with. But, uh, um, you know, as as with many things, I mean, it, it, it wasn't it went badly. I just sort of uh, got a bit fed up of, you know, installing the 456th tool that was needed to make the thing run and sort right. of gave up on the list. I will, I will um, uh, get on with it eventually because obviously local development would be uh, would be rather useful. Uh, but I, you know, that's just the way web development works, isn't it? Everything is a bunch of tools that have to link together. But you know, it's just the beauty of when you go for something that's hosted. We're not hosting PARS ourselves. We've gone for a hosted solution. They sort all that crap out. So, um, uh, but that's been reasonably successful. Um, uh, we're doing it. So that's that's one success of the week. So. Um, Let's uh, let's move on to your second thing, and then I can talk about some other successes or failures, or or um, just generally um, 
uh, interesting things. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to take a trip down memory lane because uh, last week I had a, an email from um, uh, old uh, old colleagues of mine from my indie days, um, and it was Claudia uh, Claudia Zimmer and her husband Mathieu Kopp from uh, uh, a company who I knew back then as Aquafadas, and they made this great product called Pulp Motion. They had a library of kind of animation and presentation and photo management and photo editing tools, and um, they were very kind way back when that we did an integration with Memory Miner, which is really nice because Memory Miners, you might remember, you know, one of the things you do is you make markups on the photos to have areas of interest and their animation tools. Uh, they were kind enough to to to, to take the non-UI portion of, of Memory Miner, a little library so that you could read a Memory Miner library and present it in a, in a media picker. And when you selected a photo, it would basically bring those selection areas over and use that in, in doing the animation. That was stuff that they were very strong at and stuff that I was not good at. And anytime you have indies that integrate, then it gives you a chance to to kind of make a special and to buy one, get the other one at a nice price or buy them together at a good price and to blog about it. And it was a great technique um, for small software companies to, to become bigger by working together. So all these many, many years I heard from them and they, they were in town uh, visiting the, the Bay Area and they were getting some support from some local economic development organizations so that they and a bunch of other companies from their region there in the south of France near uh, or near Montpellier, which is a lovely kind of university town. Um, and uh, so they, they got to visit some other companies, and, and including Apple, and it was it was great to see what they're working on. And, and I um, so admire them because they, they take on big, hairy challenges uh, in co-opetition with, with big, big you know, players that are much larger than theirs. So they have this, this series of tools. Uh, one is called Avalanche, and the other is called Sign. So they always have themes, and since there's lots of mountains in that area, their theme for these sets of companies are things related to, to mountaineering. Um, and so uh, one of their tools, the first ones that they wrote, is that they realized that there was a problem that exists for kind of professional and super amateur photographers who have large libraries in in apps that maybe disappear. Because, like, you know, you might remember Aperture. It was a great app, and many people loved it, and uh, then it disappeared. And so there, there became a cottage industry that was developed for people to be able to convert from one library to another. So fast forward all, the, the, all these other years, and they built a bunch of, of connectors for almost any imaginable shipping desktop uh, uh, photo management software plus, of course, file systems and so that you can build an aggregated view of the entire universe of your photographs. But on top of that, so, you know, so that in itself is, is useful, but the thing I think is their secret sauce, which is really interesting, is that they apply a bunch of, of machine learning models to your library so that you can explore, you can kind of travel through your photo collection along you know, different axes than you otherwise would. Typically, you do it by rating or date created or geolocation or that type of stuff. But here they look at the actual photograph itself to be able to find things like color composition or is there one person and two people? Is it, you know, is it high contrast? All these other different things, which is really nice because, you know, you have tons and tons of photographers who take tons and tons of photos. And if they're if they're kind of like wedding photographers or book photographers, out of the sea of photographs, they have to objectively pick the one which they think matches the task, but they still have the other ones and they may be valuable. But as they, you know, you know, go on about their work, you start piling up and you get this problem. It's like, how can you ever find stuff? So I think it's really interesting. And then, um, so I got to see the demo and, and, and talk about it. And the other interesting thing, it was just kind of getting back in touch of what it's like to be an indie Mac developer, because I don't know anybody who's an indie Mac developer that ships software except for them and, and maybe gay or <laughs> them. 
Um, <laughs> you bastard. I carry on. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but, you know, they, they were, you know, looking. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm sorry. But, you know, they, they have similar problems. It's like, you know, it, it, it's they, they want the performance that you can get on a native uh, desktop app. And because especially for photographs, it's not enough just to be able to, it's not just pure metadata. You need access ultimately to the high-res things, although oftentimes they can go offline. So it has to be native, but then a lot of people's photo collections, you know, also exist in the cloud. So I think that they're, they're, they're aware of that challenge and, and looking at it. And basically their customers are people who are either current or former customers of much larger companies, whether it's Apple or Adobe or kind of other companies that there's a, a company that makes something called Capture One which is used by almost every professional photographer in session because it has uh, you know, high-speed interfaces to your camera. So as you shoot, it immediately shows up in, in, in a viewer where you can rate and maybe do some first edits, crops, and some stuff like while you're sitting with your client saying, hey, this one might work. Let's have a look. Let's, this is a contender. So that, that it's very specialized for in-the-moment photo, photo session management. Um, so, you know, they... they, they they're, they're, you know, a tiny company, a handful of, of very bright software engineers, you know, far, very far away from S Silicon Valley. Um, and yet they, they come here and, and, and they show up and, and I, I really admire them. And they're just super nice people. So it was lovely to, to spend some time with them last night. Um, and who knows, maybe I can get Mathieu to, to come because he's, you know, he, I learned a lot from him way back when. He's a very bright, he's the CTO and bed of a super bright software engineer who still writes code and, and knows a lot about uh Pushing the uh, pushing the envelope for for machine learning and, and, and image analysis, so I like that. So that was my fun for last night. Well, that sounds like it was very nice fun. It's always nice catching up with uh, with some friends, and especially when there's some like uh, his, historical technology learning, uh, remembering, and some new learnings as well. So, so talking about going back down memory lane, uh, you may have seen this. It's it's come up on a couple of Slack channels I'm in this week, and I think it was in a blog post as well. Um, but uh, back on September the the twentieth, that was the um, uh, the thirty second anniversary of the introduction of the Macintosh Portable, oh, um, wow. and. Uh, uh, someone posted uh, a link to a YouTube video of uh, Jean-Louis Gasset, was that oh, how right, you pronounced yeah, his name, yeah. uh, introducing yeah. the Macintosh Portable. And I'm going to recommend, if you've got sort of like 20 minutes, to get a 20-minute presentation, um, go go and watch it because it's, you know, I have found it's it slick as they are and, and they make all these lovely videos and whatever else. I, I began, as, as I said before, become a little bit bored of, of Apple <laughs> uh, presentations. They are, um, they, they're a little bit the samey, they're a bit too yeah, self-congratulatory or, or whatever else. Anyway, it doesn't matter why I don't like them, lots of people love them, uh, you know, I've, I've gone off them in a little bit. But this one I love because the way that uh, uh, Jean-Louis Gasset introduced the Apple Portable was by building one on stage. I do remember that. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and clicking it together and talking about the amazing 40 megabyte hard drive and uh, you know, the the liquid cell battery or whatever that was going in it. And um, I mean, the machine was a complete and utter brick and whatever by modern <laughs> standards, but it is such a, uh, uh, yeah, it is. And the, um, oh, and the, the marketing video for it is so cheesy and so probably politically not 
correct these days <laughs> but as well but um if you've got 20 minutes you're you know, grabbing some lunch or something and you just want a bit of apple nostalgia and a bit of the good old days then um uh i mean it was way before my time on apple by a long long time um but it was um it was fun to watch and i recommend you go do it I will. Uh, you better put that in the show notes. But I better. Link will be uh, in I'm the gonna, show notes. Yes. I'll have to ask. I'll have to ask Siri to ask Alexa to to Google that for me. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to ask Alexa to ask ask Google to um yeah. There we are. So let's hope our listener is not automated <laughs> on any of these things. <laughs> oh, Alexa, so I have hemorrhoids. Please mark it to me. Can I talk about a woe this week? Um, I would love for you to talk about a woe. Speaking of hemorrhoids, go ahead. Tell us about your digital hemorrhoids. I um, I updated my phone to iOS 16 this week, which Mm. I am enjoying. Um, and, and that is good, but of course that's caused me some problems. Um, and, uh, it wouldn't normally be a problem because I would normally have a, another test phone around that I'd have on a, an older OS or something, but for various reasons that is not available to me at this exact moment. Um, and one of the apps I'm working on for a client doesn't build under Xcode 14 and to run uh, apps, uh, debug apps on a actual device um, running iOS 16, you need to be running Xcode 14. Um, so, <laughs> and the particular app I'm talking about doesn't behave well in the simulator for lots of reasons I'm also not going to go into. So I've made my life a little bit difficult. So, um, and I can, the, the, the changes I need to make to get the app to run in iOS 14 um are you know not very big uh probably not a you know not a not not an issue um it's there's some rules changed with the at available um marker that you can use that they're no longer allowed to be used on uh lazy stored properties um so it just doesn't build and i need to to change a few things but i don't really want to change these things right now because there's other stuff i'm trying to get through testing and qa before you know and i don't really want to introduce some of this so there we are i am i will be getting my uh, other test device back in the you know a day or two so i can go back to it but that's just a you know it's a thing of the way that uh, Apple works, iOS 16, you've got to have Xcode 14 if you want to run it um, and debug with it. So uh, lesson learnt the hard way. Well, it's not even learnt the hard way. I knew it and I wasn't even thinking about it. I thought, oh, I'll put my phone onto iOS 16. That's available. I'm sure that will be fine. Didn't even think about it. And there we are. Hmm. And talking about phones, have you got yours? You Last week I you do. said you'd ordered one. And what is your, you know, give us, give us the John... 22nd iPhone 14 Pro review. Uh, well, I mean, for certain, uh, the, the the camera is worth it to me. Having a 48 megapixel sensor, um, it's not because I want to shoot raw photos and, and retouch them afterwards. It's just the fact that it has overscan. And with four four pixels to one, you can choose the best or kind of am- 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 amalgamate them or whatever. It just... You know, I keep going back and forth because, you know, having ha- having talked about photography last night and look at examples of done, you know, w- with an SLR and, and the types of things that you can do. And, and you look at, at, you can look at many photos and you can say, yep, you can see that that's a captured with really nice glass and expertly kind of uh, adjusted balance and so on and so forth. And, you know, every year, every rev, Apple comes closer to having some of that. Um, 
And it's it's hard to say which you know. I don't know whether they'll ever get to to what you you know in compositional photography if they'll ever be able to recreate results that are equal to what you get with SLR. It's kind of a different thing. But uh, what what seems certain to me is that there are things that no SLR will be able to do because they won't have the general purpose uh, GPU and, and computational effort you know capabilities in in an SLR that you you get in an Apple iPhone. Um, so mostly, you know, predictably, I, I'm just having a blast doing work on, you know, with my typical snark video composition. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I had occasion to uh, visit my hometown briefly last week for a concert. You will appreciate this. This is a fundraiser. This is people I know since since high school, and, and they have an organization called Be Loud, which is Be Loud Sophie, which is in honor of their daughter who who. Uh, died of cancer. She, 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 you know, she was diagnosed when she was in ninth grade, and she, being an adolescent, her life was just getting started and finding out all the things. And actually, one of her passions uh, was photography; the other is music. So, um, you know, I think the the way that they're able to cope with it as parents is that they created a foundation called Be Loud Sophie, which raises, which essentially funds a specialized cancer treatment center at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, that that deals with adolescents and young adults and their very special needs, and it, it is it a lovely thing. I kind of I I reliably return because I, I get to hear good music and 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 talk with people um, uh, that I've known since a, for a long time. Um, but one of the things about having the iPhone 14 is like I was at a at a music club and they have really great sound, really great video. They do streaming, so why on earth would I take video of there? And what could I possibly do with the with my iPhone? That the you know expensive uh, DSLRs that they're using to 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 capture the video and stream. And the one thing I realize is that at this particular concert, they they since it's a fundraiser, they will have people on stage that will be talking about you know why they're doing what they're doing, and they will turn on the house lights in the audience so that people can see each other, especially when they do things like run auctions. And that is an exceptionally difficult lighting system because you have super bright lights on stage and less bright lights uh, behind. And you know, there's also plenty of of, of loud you know uh, loud sound. And as I, I oftentimes do, I'll take a kind of panoramic video of the entire thing because I want to share that. It's like, hey, this is what it was like. Experience it. And I was stunned when I looked at it about how 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 they adapted right away, very very smoothly as I rotated around. Because in in prior revisions, you could kind of it could handle a specific situation, and sometimes it would take a second for it to adjust. And maybe you need to tap an area to set a focal uh, a focal point. Uh, but this one, I literally just pointed and rotated around, and I had great stereo recording. and And I was I was like. God, I can't believe that I have this in my pocket. Um, so I was just so in awe of that. And so, yeah, I'm definitely one of those ones where every incremental uh, improvement to the camera, I'm, it's like I'm there. Uh, it's a phone that is a camera that happens to do some really clever stuff by being a phone and an Internet-connected mobile device. So did you go to the 14 from the 13? Uh Yes. Or, yeah. So, so even in the one, I mean, because I'm still oh, yeah. using a, I'm still using a twelve, and I've decided not to get the fourteen because I, the twelve still does everything I needed to do, and the camera on the twelve has always been fantastic. But I mean, obviously, yeah. I've not necessarily compared it to the thirty. So you're saying you're noticing you're noticing these improvements in a single generational jump, which oh, yeah. is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, a little bird whispered to me that, you know, Apple has thousands of people working on the camera, you know, across all aspects of the hardware and the software and the computational uh, photography pipeline, you know, that, that they have. Um, it's 
kind of, it, 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 I can't remember who it was. Oh, it was Shill Filler who kind of pointed out that the camera, that the iPhone became by far, you know, the world's pop, most popular camera. Um, and that's true. So, ah, but that reminds me of something else. I wonder if, if um, I have, we have a few minutes, or maybe I can do it for next time, but my complaint section. My let's do it. Let's complain, section. John. Let's okay. do bitter. Oh, bitter, not just complaints, bitter complaints. Okay. Bitter All right, complaints. Let's, let's, okay. Let's, let's do the music then. Ding, ding, ding. John's bitter complaint. Okay. So <laughs> you know that I'm a rabid fan of the software called Splice. And Splice is made by this very clever group of Italians, mostly in Milan and a company called Bended Spoon. And they have this software, which is a subscription software, runs on iOS. It's a very sophisticated, very powerful, yet surprisingly easy to use video editing software. And they have some other products in their, uh, in their, in their, in their lineup, which do AI based, uh, you know, video effects and, and, and photography work. Um, and, uh, I just love, I, I sing the praises loudly. People who look at my videos like, what tools you do that? You must have really spent a lot of time, you know, learning iMovie or, 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 you know, Final Cut. It's like, no, I prefer Splice because it's, it, first of all, I prefer editing on the device where I have the, the media and I like the touch interface. Um, it, it's amazing. I am pissed off because I upgraded when I, you know, I always do, I'm always amazed at how smooth the restore from iCloud backup is, and you get your work right away. And so, lo and behold, I open up Splice because I want to do a good project, and all my projects are are not working because uh, even though the media is absolutely there and restored, and Apple's photos, you know, photo library API lets you determine if a photo is online or not, and then if you have to download it, it gives you callbacks. You can build very good experiences that even if the high-res video is up on the cloud, and your client app needs to get it, you can bring it down and have a good user experience. And I cannot believe that, that, that that's the case. So I said, okay, this must be a bug or something. So I go looking on their website, and they kind of have some weasel text, which essentially kind of says to them that, it, like, you can edit in the moment, and uh, if you stop subscribing, you don't ask get access to the, the, the files themselves. I mean, the media are, are is where you are, but there's no kind of... You can't export it in any other format. So once you make the choice to use Splice, you use it for, you know, make that forever. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But I cannot accept that that upgrading from one phone to another means I've lost all my editing work because it's not at all uncommon to make a new project by, you know, making a duplicate copy of one. So I I, I sent an email, got an automated response back, and I said, if this, you know, many answers can be found here, but if it's not, write us back. And I was like, that's kind of shitty. And just the other day, I, I saw in the headline that they've raised 300 some million dollars uh, because they're doing very well. I guess they want to keep growing. But man, <laughs> that, 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 that cannot stand. So there's my bitter complaint. Um, and we only have a minute left. So you're a subscriber, but you still can't get hold of your stuff because you've gone, gone onto a different phone. That's right. That's not bad. That's shit. That's absolute shit. So That's enough to hopefully- not use the software. I know. Well, I I'm, I assume that they are aware of this, and maybe they're hoping that they'll get it done real soon, soon before people you know upgrade. But if they don't, I'm going to drop it and find something else. So if somebody list, if one of the listener has a better suggestion, I'm all for it. Well, with that angriness, John, 
we should say if anyone wants to get hold of you and tell you how angry they are about this, where should they do that? They should find me on the place where, surprisingly, on some in some corners, in some rare occasions when it's fully justified, people can be angry, and that's Twitter, where you'll find me as Jembe, that's uh, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if you if people want to kind of balance out the, the occasional anger one finds on Twitter with love and happiness, where might they do that? They can show me love. Just me, not you. They could show me love. <laughs> uh, uh, the place of all love, where love goes to be lovely. And that's Twitter, where I am Mac Devnet. <laughs> or something like that, anyway. <laughs> ah, well, John, it's, um, it's been a pleasure as always. And uh, I think you've been quite, uh, yeah, quite good today with your bitterness and your complaining and whatever else. It's, I, think, I think that the show is always better when you're pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there we are. Oh, at least one of us is. Well, let's hope that our listener is not pissed off. But our, our listener is full of joy and love and unicorns and rainbows and whatever else makes them happy. So uh, thanks for listening this week, listener, whoever you are. And uh, until next time, you take care. Thank you.